Good morning. My name is Whitney. I serve as the director of mission here at Covenant, and I am so glad to be with you all today. Today we are going to be looking at Matthew 14, at the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Instead of us, like we typically do, following the scripture on the screen or you following in your Bible, I'm going to invite you to listen to the passage today in a different way. I'd like to invite you when I read the passage to close your eyes and to try to imagine yourself in the story we're going to read. What would you see? What would you smell? What would you taste? How would you feel? And I'd like you to try to notice, where are you in this story? Who are you with? Are you with Jesus? Are you with the disciples? Or are you with the crowd? So with that said, I invite you to close your eyes and listen now to the word of God. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father, we ask today, God, that you would teach us, that you would teach us the truth that you are a God that provides. We pray that our hearts would be, would be filled with hope and with courage this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'd like us to look at this story through these three characters, Jesus, the disciples, and the crowd. What do we learn from these three characters about God's provision? Let's start with Jesus. What do we learn about God's provision from Jesus in this story? What we learn is that God provides through community. You see, Jesus didn't need the disciples to do this miracle. He could have just snapped his fingers and it would have been done. But instead, what he did is he leaned on his people. He took the bread and the fish, blessed it, and then he sent them out to meet the needs of the crowd. We talk a lot at Covenant about the importance of community. The three rhythms, the three habits that we talk about that are so important for our formation, solitude, community, and service. Community is essential for the Christian life. I turned 40 in July, and I threw myself a pretty amazing birthday party. Here's photo evidence. Uh, in January, my husband Andrew came to me and said, Whitney, you have a big birthday coming up, and he needed me to know that there was no way he was going to be able to plan a party that would meet my expectations. 
And so he wanted me to just plan my own party and he would be along for the ride. And I'm so glad we did that. Here's what we did. I rented out an Alamo Drafthouse movie theater. The theme of my party was Whitney's favorite things. We watched my favorite movie, which is a movie called Waiting for Guffman. It's an obscure movie, but it's fabulous. I had my favorite treats. My favorite candy is hot tamales. My, one of my favorite <laughs> foods in the world is apple fritters. So I had 45 apple fritters from Shipley's Donuts there for my guests. My pre-show before the movie uh, starts up on the big screen was I showed my childhood home videos. Here's photo evidence. That's me as a 10-year-old in like a colonial woman outfit. Um, and just imagine it up on the big screen. It was amazing. Like with any good party after the movie was over, I held an awards ceremony for my guests and I gave a speech. It was great. If you need help planning your next party, I'm your girl. The truth is, though, is that the speech was actually really, really important. And here's why. This movie theater was filled with people who had journeyed with me over the last 10 years and more through some really hard things and some really amazing things. And not only did I want to celebrate my birthday, but I wanted to celebrate the fact that these people had walked with me through all kinds of parts of my lives. So in my speech, I talked about how it was in my 30s that I became sober. I quit drinking. I just celebrated eight years of sobriety by God's grace. Oh, thanks be to God. These people in this room were part of that journey. It was in my 30s that I experienced the heartbreak of miscarriage two times. These people cried with me prayed with me, they brought me food. It was in my 30s that after two long journeys of unexplained infertility, we found out in 2017 that I was pregnant with Calvin and in 2020 that I was pregnant with Lucy and these people celebrated with us. When our babies were born, they held them, they brought us food, they went out with us when our kids were screaming just to kind of give us people to be with. They baptized our babies. God provided for us through our community. And it was really important to mark that. We learned that from Jesus today. Let's look at the disciples. What do we learn from the disciples? Here's what we learned from them, is that God provides when we cannot see a way. You see, these disciples were looking at kind of the situation they were in, and they realized they had thousands of people that were going to need to eat, and they were in the middle of nowhere. There was no food. The only plausible solution to this was to send the people away to go get food elsewhere, because they were in the middle of nowhere. So they go to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, we got we to gotta send these people. But Jesus does something they didn't expect. He says, what do you have? He takes the loaves and the fish. And he makes a way when they could not see one. We see this all through scripture, God providing a way when we cannot see one. In the Old Testament, I think about the Israelites when they're being pursued by the Egyptians and, and they come to the Red Sea and for them, this had to be the only plausible end to this story, that they were gonna be recaptured. How else were they going to get across the sea? Yet, God provided a way when, he, when they couldn't see one. Parted the Red Sea and across they walked. 
I think about in the New Testament when Lazarus died. Jesus was late. He didn't get there in time, and Lazarus was dead. There was no other ending to this story than Lazarus being dead. Yet, Jesus showed up, and he provided a way, and Lazarus was resurrected. God provides a way when we cannot see one. I want to share with you a story of when I experienced this. I took a year off between high school and college, and I was part of a mission organization. I trained in Los Angeles, and then I went to South Africa and served for the rest of the year there. It was there that I had this experience. I haven't talked much about this experience simply because I haven't really had the words to explain it, but I'm going to give it a shot today. Our team was invited to go and be a part of a food distribution that was happening in a Zulu village. This village was kind of the central village surrounded by these smaller villages. And what the pastor of this church had done is he invited all these different communities to bring the crops that they grew here to this, to this town center so everyone from the surrounding areas could come and get different types of food from one another. This was an essential part for these communities to be able to get different types of food. We were invited to be a part of this distribution. When we got there, the pastor told us that they were only able to collect enough food for about 40. And there were already hundreds of people lined up outside. He encouraged us to begin to pray that God would provide. My job was I had a giant sack of potatoes and my job was to distribute those. I don't know how else to say this other than we never ran out of food. Every time I thought I was at the bottom of my bag of potatoes, when I reached in, there were more. I don't understand how it happened. I don't know if it was some supernatural thing that, that as I would pull out another potato, another one would appear out of the blue. Maybe, maybe that's what happened. I don't know if maybe we had more food than we really anticipated so we were able to meet the need. I don't know if people maybe took less. And it doesn't matter how it happened. All that matters is that God provided when we could not see a way. If you are in a scenario in your life where there is no plausible way out of it, take heart. Ours is a God who provides a way when we cannot see one. Let's take a look at the crowds. What do we learn from the crowds? In the exercise that I encouraged us to do at the beginning of this message to close our eyes and to notice ourselves. Every time I did this, I realized I never saw myself in the crowd. I was always with the disciples. Apparently, this is really common. It's easier for us to see ourselves in the role of the helper than the role of the one who is in need. What we learn from the crowd is this, is that each of us has our own need. And ours is a God of compassion who meets our need. Here's what I mean by that. One of the most important books I've read in my career and mission is a book called When Helping Hurts. It's by Steve Corbett and Brian Fiekert. It helps us to rethink poverty. In the beginning of the book, they talk about how when they would ask Americans to define poverty, Americans would define it in material terms a lack of material goods, a lack of income, a lack of housing, a lack of education. 
a lack of health care. Yet when they asked the rest of the world, including like the third world and the developing world, to define poverty, they used much different language. Lack of hope, lack of purpose, lack of meaning. You see, when you and I define poverty as a lack of material things, it's really hard for us to see ourselves in the crowd. Because the reality is, is that likely, you and I are not experiencing material poverty. Most of us are going to be able to leave here today and go home and feed our families lunch without even thinking about it. But if we can zoom out and look at poverty as the way the rest of the world looks at it, lack of hope, lack of meaning, lack of purpose, suddenly it's much easier to see ourselves in the crowd. Each of us has our own poverty. A few years ago, when we were in Belize, uh, serving with our sister church there, I had an amazing conversation. Uh, our sister church is in Belize City, and we serve in an area of Belize City called the Burial Grounds, which is the poorest neighborhood in all of Belize. One afternoon, I had an amazing conversation with the pastor's wife of the church we serve with. Her name is Leticia. She was sharing with me all the difficult things they were experiencing in this neighborhood. One of the things she was just heartbroken about was the reality that so many children in this area weren't able to attend school simply because they didn't have shoes. And not only that, many of them had hookworm, which is something that you get by walking barefoot across contaminated soil. The simple lack of shoes was a barrier to education for so many kiddos and was impacting their health. She was heartbroken. We prayed together, we cried together. Afterwards, she looked at me and said, Whitney, how can I pray for you? And what I thought was humility, but ultimately was pride. I said, Leticia, my life is easy. You do not need to pray for me. Thank you, but like, just focus on you. And she said, that's what I'm gonna pray for. I said, what do you mean? She said, Whitney, I am poor, but you are also poor. And you are rich, but I am also rich. That day, my friend reminded me that yes, she was materially poor, but she was so rich in the spirit because she depended on God for everything. And I have everything I need. I am materially rich, but spiritually, I am so poor because I don't depend on God for much of anything. Each of us has our own poverty. Each of us is in this crowd. And ours is a God of compassion who sees our need and meets it. This story, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle other than the resurrection that's found across all four Gospels. Commentators believe it's because the language that Jesus uses when he takes the bread and he blesses it, that it mirrors the language that he uses at the Last Supper. So it's fitting today that we will have communion. 
And I pray that as you approach the table today, that you will be encouraged, knowing that ours is a God that provides. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that indeed you are the God that provides. We ask that our hearts would be filled with hope this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.